1: Moo, mad cow, mad cow, mad cow, mad cow, line dance song. Hey,
2: Sangai Nation, welcome to the show on another Friday afternoon. Sangai with you as usual. Real quick before we jump into it with our guest today, some show notes. If you are looking for some pro wrestling tonight, WCWO as usual at the Outlaw Arena in Indianapolis, Indiana. House Wrestling in Detroit, Michigan. You have Spot Monkeys Promotions in Bativa, Ohio. FGW in Hamilton, Ohio. Tomorrow night, DOA in Portland, Oregon. Several other shows across the country, so make sure you look up if there are wrestling shows near you. Get out there and support your local independents. But without further ado, I want to welcome the guests here today. We have with us, all the way from Rhode Island, the original king of old school, Derek Destiny, and his manager, the original queen of old school, Tamara Burke. Thank you for being on the show today. We definitely appreciate your time.
1: Uh, Thank you for having us.
0: Hi there. Can you hear
2: us? Yep, loud and clear. Okay. So, being your first time with us, I'm going to lead you off today with our traditional first-timer question. I'll pass it to Derek Destiny first, but how did you get into the business of professional wrestling?
1: Oh, God, I've always been a fan. I mean, especially since I was, like, four years old. Uh, My father used to watch it, and I used to watch it with him. I remember the first time, the first match I ever saw was... Andre the Giant against three guys in a handicap match. And, man, he tossed them guys around like ragdolls. And ever since then, I was just hooked. Um, my father would bring me to this arena. It was an underground arena called Jack Witchy Sports Arena. And it was every Friday there was a wrestling show. And he took myself, my cousins. We all piled up into his truck and we went. And, man, we had a ball. I remember my dad putting me on his shoulders I remember watching Bruno San Martino and Superstar Billy Graham. I know I'm aging myself here, but (laughs) I was just in in awe of it. I always wanted to be part of the wrestling business, but I really never knew how. I knew Killer Kowalski had a wrestling school. Um, I know Adrian Street did in Philadelphia and a couple of other guys. But I remember watching Cable Access, and uh, uh, there was a show called Power League Wrestling, and a number came up. If you want to be a wrestler, I called that number left a message, and they got back to me, and they said, uh, yeah, bring the gear, bring a name, come on down to the karate studio. So we went to this karate studio, and, like, I had never trained before or anything, and I'm watching these guys in the ring just jump around, and I'm like, oh, this looks like fun. So I went in there, had a match, <laughs> didn't know what I was doing, and one of the guys, uh, Jose Perez, says, hey, man, I'm going to train you a little bit, <laughs> and I'll give you some other places you can go to. So I trained with Jose for a little while, did a couple more Power League shows, but I felt I needed a little bit more training. Um, there was this Coconuts music shop, and I knew this guy, Bob Evans, who you know him from Ring of Honor. And uh, he introduced me to a guy named Jeff Costa, who trained with Killer Kowalski. And so he took me down there, and I trained a lot with Jeff Costa. But the person who trained me the most was, was Bob Evans. So I have to give uh, Bob, Bob Evans... Uh, as my trainer, you know, I, he trained me the most and he helped me the most and he helped me get a lot of work and stuff. So yeah, that's probably how I got into the business.
2: And what about the queen of old school? How did you get into this business?
0: Uh, well, it's not as straightforward as, as destiny, but, um, for me, it was, uh, you know, just growing up in the eighties, when I was a typical little girl that, like, you know, idolized Cindy Lauper, and once I saw that video and then saw this guy that she was putting in a, in a hammer lock, I decided to put it on my father one day, and he noticed that, oh, it was Lou Albano, and, of course, I, my first question was, who's Lou Albano? And, of course, my father just kind of got this look like, oh, child, I'm going to teach you everything kind of look, and that's how I kind of fell in love with wrestling, and um, always knew I wanted to be a part of it, but didn't know how, because it wasn't really as accessible to women as much as it was to men back then. Um, I remembered a friend of mine in high school, had been training for a while, Tim Kilgore, and he also hooked me up with Bob Evans, and uh, they started training me along with uh, Brickhouse Baker from South Coast, and Bulldog Blansky, and... Um, I didn't work a whole lot of matches because, to be honest with you, I really just kind of wanted to work within the wrestling business, not actually as a wrestler. Um, a manager kind of came on later on after Destiny saw me and said, well, I could use you and, um, you know, just working together. We just made a great team and fell in love and got married, and we've been together now for 17 years.
2: Now, Derek, when you get into this business, obviously there is a lot of history involved in our industry, and specifically being from Rhode Island, I know when people think pro wrestling, they don't often think of Rhode Island, but the WWWF dating back to the 50s ran. In Rhode Island quite a bit, all the way up to modern times, WWE still goes there. Independent promotions were commonplace in Rhode Island when independent wrestling started becoming a thing. So there is a lot of history in your state. Did you ever delve much into researching the history of professional wrestling in Rhode Island?
1: Um, Only from what I I knew um, getting into the business, Um, I knew there was uh, in Fall River, Massachusetts, which is right near Rhode Island, there was a Bank Street Armory, um, and there was a PAL hall, which um, had uh, a lot of wrestling there from, like, the WWWF back in the day, Um, and a lot of, you know, local promotions, um, like South Coast Championship Wrestling, Yankee Pro Wrestling, even uh, Tony Rumble's Old Century Wrestling Alliance. Which showed sure that the NWA New England uh, would also be uh, on those shows. So, yeah, I mean, the history, I mean, and, of course, you know, Jack Ritchie Sports Arena, which, you know, every Friday was in is about 45 minutes from, from where I used to live, um, would have shows every Friday. So, uh, yeah, it was uh, a lot of stuff going around the, the local area.
2: Now, Cooner, how about you? Did you sort of look into the history of what was happening just within your state when you uh, started learning about wrestling, or were you more learning of the national scene?
1: Uh, is that for Tamara?
2: Yes.
0: Okay. Oh, uh, well, you know, like I said, there's not a whole lot here in, you know, in Rhode Island, especially New England in general for women. And wanting to get in wrestling, there was the Kiltowalls place that everybody knew of. Um, but I mean, I the only woman that I had known at the time that trained even in that school was um, Joni Lauer, and that was even kind of hard to get into at that time. And um, so I kind of had to wait a while before trying to find any, any um, you know, training facility here in Rhode Island, and even the history-wise, there really wasn't anything until the early 2000s. Um, my, well, my history comes from just, you know, growing up watching it and just being a historian from that point of view and knowing that, you know, that I wanted to be a part of it because of the history. And the history, especially with women in wrestling, was getting stronger as the years went by but it didn't really start to historically come into um, what it is today until about 10 years ago.
2: Mm -hmm. Derek, I know that you had a break from professional wrestling for many years and recently started training to come back on a reunion show after the layoff what was it that made you think the time was right to start training and come back and work on this reunion show?
1: Well, my friend Danny um, contacted me and said he wanted to do a reunion match for two wrestlers who had passed away, um, the Reverend Jane Link and Marcus O. Middleton, um, who I was very close to in the wrestling business and who always helped me, booked uh, me, and always gave me really good advice. So for them, I wanted to come back and um, put on a great show.
2: Now, you brought your manager with you. Queen, was the uh, reasoning for you deciding to come back when you did the same, or did you have a different agenda in mind in making the comeback? Well, honestly, it was a very, very different agenda. Um, I knew
0: Reverend um, very briefly from when I first started working in the territories with Destiny, Um, but I'd never met Marcus. I just know stories from what he had told me. Um, The reason why we actually retired from the independence was because of the abuse. Abuse in locker rooms is something that went on a lot up until just very recently, and I'm talking about like 2019 when the Speaking Out movement started. We left because I was being badly abused by people before I met Destiny. Um, men would take liberties on women in locker rooms, and a lot of women were being sexually abused and sexually harassed. and I could not be a part of that anymore because it was just too difficult. So uh, we left it and didn't look back and didn't really want anything to do with it. And then this speaking out movement happened and um, not too too long before that started, we opened up a nonprofit for survivors of sexual violence and I am myself a survivor of sexual abuse and rape, and a lot of women who are involved in wrestling are as well. So we knew we wanted to use that platform to try to change locker room behavior. So when this reunion show came about, we had already started working within some independent organizations here in New England and the Northeast uh, doing in-services for our nonprofit. It's called the Warrior Network. And we train young wrestlers on proper locker room etiquette and respect for each other, respect for yourselves, respect for the business, and respect for women. And that goes both ways. Also having women respect the men because there have been instances where men were targeted and didn't want to come forward because of the stigma. So we decided to use this reunion show as our platform TO COME BACK AND DO MORE WORK WITHIN THE INDEPENDENT ORGANIZATIONS, AND IT'S CONTINUING TO GROW FROM HERE. SO REALLY, WE JUST WANTED TO TRY TO USE THIS AS A BASE TO DO to BETTER on, IN OUR COMMUNITIES AND REALLY TRY TO MAKE A DIFFERENCE, ESPECIALLY NOW THAT PEOPLE ARE LISTENING. AND BIGGER, MORE NATIONWIDE, REPUTABLE, LARGE COMPANIES HAVE STARTED TO PAY ATTENTION, too. And that's extremely important. You want to take it much larger than just New England. Uh,
2: Derek, I know the time away probably wasn't how you envision going out of wrestling, but oftentimes when a wrestler takes an extended leave, they see things a little bit differently when they come back they have kind of a fresh new perspective on things when you started training for the comeback did you look at wrestling as sort of a a different uh, form for you to be able to do what you want or did you see from your perspective things were going to be roughly the same as what things were when you left it
1: at first, it was kind of tough um, because a lot of the young guys I was training with, they move very quickly. <laughs> and being away from the business, um, I knew that would be some great training, training with these young guys, because back when I started, um, everything was more slow and methodical moving. But nowadays, it's, it's quick-paced so that when people you know, switch the channels around, they see something going on real quick, they'll, they'll tune in. Um, and so trying to keep up with those guys, I thought was just great training. And I was also able to help those guys out as well. Um, and then once the show hit, man, I was just like, I felt at home again. I I really did. I really enjoyed my time in there. Uh, the the training was up at first, but then after that, you know, I just, I mean, this is what I did for 20 years. (laughs) And, Um, see the crowd again, and to have people at the end of the match saying, you still got it. I mean, it just felt so great, you know. It was one of the greatest feelings ever.
2: Now, when you got out of wrestling, we had not quite gotten to the level we are now as far as how technology has helped open up independent professional wrestling Even 15, 20 years ago, wrestlers uh, would struggle to be noticed outside of their home area because uh, YouTube hadn't really taken off at that point. You didn't have uh, videos that people all around the country could watch. There were not streaming services where somebody thousands of miles away could become a fan of a promotion and support that promotion monetarily in a few different ways. It was basically you were wrestling in front of the local fans within a more narrow uh, radius than what people have today. Do you think that with the advent of technology, wrestling is easier as a business, or do you think it might be harder in some ways because of the way technology has come into our lives?
1: I I think it's a lot easier. I mean, but, you know, my wife says both, too. Um, But I think it's easier now because, you know, people on YouTube, I mean, people from Germany and Italy have YouTube, and they can can see your work if they happen to come upon you. Um, So I think, you know, your name can get out quicker today because of technology. And back in the day, you know, you'd have to send tapes out to promoters and stuff, and a lot of people didn't really know you that well. I think, you know, people... Will will know you better when they go on YouTube and see you, and if they like what they saw, they can check out some of your other matches and stuff. So I think technology has helped a lot to get your name out there, and you know, especially for guys looking for work outside of Rhode Island, maybe they want to go to Philadelphia and stuff. Um, instead of having to send tapes like we used to back in the day, um, then you can just check out you know your YouTube channel if you have one. So
2: Now, Quir, what about you? Do you think with the technology we have and all of the social media and that type of thing, it's easier for people getting into the business now compared to when you got into things?
0: Oh, yeah. I mean, it's it's much more accessible. Um, pretty much every school has a website now with an application process. It's a lot more streamlined. You can pay your dues online. Um, you can use social media to post things about different um, training facilities, uh, who trains who, where to get good training. It's, there's a lot more networking that was available than back then. I mean, for, for Destiny, it was pretty much just like you have to go to a show and pray somebody, know somebody who knew somebody who knew somebody. And most of the time, that was not not actual information, mm-hmm. and the same thing with me, and this is going back to, like, 2004, so, um, you know, for now, yeah, it, it actually, I think, has helped a lot more for accessibility, especially for, for women in wrestling, um, you know, I keep kind of harping back on that, but we've seen a big shift, you know, even in the independence as well, so um, social media has certainly helped, but it can also be very harmful because the international wrestling community is not kind to one another. That's true. And there are a lot of people that use social media, especially, you know, Twitter. People love to just basically put down every wrestler that they see, whether it's independent or, or global. You know, I think they have to they they lose the cognitive ability to know these people
2: are human I agree with you wholeheartedly there mm-hmm. um, Derek one of the things when you were wrestling is uh, when you first broke in wrestling was sort of at a peak of popularity the Monday Night Wars were happening, Uh, ECW was around, there was a lot of interest in pro wrestling, independent wrestling was still very, very popular. In the last five years or so, we've seen sort of a resurgence in the popularity in pro wrestling. There's about five different national touring companies, you see New Japan Pro Wrestling, being on American television and being able to tour by themselves in the United States. Independent wrestling is extremely healthy right now with a lot of places having sold out shows and doing very, very well financially. In the meantime, sort of between runs, there were lulls where wrestling was not as popular where... National companies were not drawing very well and you did not have as much television exposure and independents were struggling. What do you think it is that brought wrestling from the peak where you were first starting your career and sort of having that resurgence in the last few years?
1: I think you need some uh, big name guys. Um, some guys that, you know, the fans can really get behind. I mean, you know, Rock and Stone Cold were great talkers, and people could really get behind them, um, especially because, you know, Stone Cold Steve Austin, I mean, hey, <laughs> there's a lot of times you want to give your boss a stunner or, <laughs> or what have you, I and mean, people kind of like that, you know. Um, and then I think it kind of faded a little bit with the John Cena era because, uh, you know, people really couldn't get behind him as they got behind guys like The Rock and Stone Cold. But I think now, with the resurgence, it's not so much the superstar, it's the work rate in the ring. I think the guys now are incredible athletes, and I think they tell their story inside the wrestling ring. Um, The story that they tell makes them who they are. Like, uh, Kenny Omega, I mean, is is a huge star, and he's somebody that everybody wants because of his in-ring work and his work ethic and I think that's the most important thing about professional wrestling it's second to none, yeah, it's second to none like his work ethic um, and then you have guys from Japan like Okada who kind of bring up that old school style of you know the classic professional wrestling Kisawa, like uh, Kobashi et al uh, but I, I think now it's all about the work rate I think you know with someone like Kenny Omega who has great mic work um can tell great story in the ring and also uh, you know also has that that good look. Um, I think you know it, it kind of puts them in that great superstar status.
2: Queen, what about you What do you think sort of revitalized the pro wrestling industry in the last few years?
0: Um, I just think a change and just a shift in society in general, of um, obviously the advent and implementation of social media helps um, because you can reach a much wider range of people, plus this there's a different generation. You were we're shifting from the attitude era going into the early 2000s and then the Cena era where it was just nothing but saturated in that and honestly just ridiculous wrestling if you want to call it that for the women because they just were not given the opportunity that they needed to be elevated to a different level. They were being basically used as, as props. So people really just didn't want to watch that kind of stuff anymore and Then you had the, um, you know, you had MMA kind of get and take that spot where wrestling used to be, and for a while they seemed to, to, you know, own that core audience. And then now you're shifting from 2019 around, like, 2018, 2019. Now all of a sudden we're seeing a huge resurgence in pro wrestling because of this new generation that's coming up now and they're getting incredible training they're also more authentic mm-hmm. and i think that more people can relate to what's being put out there you've got these amazing workers especially like say we'll we'll just pull out you know gcw we have amazing LGBTQ wrestlers that are out there right now. We've got F week, we've got um, kamikaze kid, we've got Sawyer Wreck who I'm like in love with. And, you know, I just I I love these kids because they're they're for once being them and being told that it's okay to be them. And and I think that also translates to other promotions, not just see you know, G C W and you know, you've got CZW, and then you've got House of Glory in, in the New York Territory. it's more It's a very gritty type of pro wrestling, but everybody there is authentically themselves, and that's something that's becoming much more important in our society and our community in general, and more people can relate to what's happening now in wrestling than as opposed to you know, a decade ago, 15 years ago. I just, there was nothing for me to relate to back then. And neither could kids coming up, you know. And it's just, I think it's in a much, much better place. And the resurgence is is happening because the older vets are kind of starting to retire and go away, (laughs) Mm -hmm. which they kind of need to, to be honest, because they were the ones that caused a lot of the abuse in locker rooms. And we tell people all the time that just because something has been the way it's always been does not mean that it has to stay that way. Exactly. So it's that kind of community that we're developing that I think that is just really bringing this resurgence to its peak right now.
2: Uh, Derek, one of the most important tools for a wrestler, of course, is their wrestling gear tights, singlets, boots, pads, all very, very important. Especially when you were starting out, did you have a specific person you went to when you needed new gear made? And do you have anyone now that you would go to to make your wrestling gear?
1: Well, I know High Spots. I picked up um, a few singlets from them, um, and they did a great job. Uh, they had really nice boots and everything. A lot of my other um, gear that I had were given to me by other wrestlers um, when I first started. Guys who I worked with and would have a good match with, they'd be like, "Hey, you know, I got some boots for you, or I have some pads for you," and and, and they would be so so gracious in giving them to me, which I thought was great because you don't see a whole lot of that from from veterans, especially back in in those days. Um, being able, being giving, you know, and giving you some of their gear um, after, you know, having a decent match with them and showing that much respect. Uh, but High Spots was a place that I got a lot of uh, my gear from and, of course, you know, um, Hand Me Down Some other Wrestlers, which, you know, I am so grateful for.
2: Quinn, what about you? Do you have... Someone that made most of your gear. I know it's a different animal for a manager than it is a wrestler because uh, you can have more choices as a manager. But did you have someone that mm-hmm. you went to for that type of thing?
0: Um, funny enough, actually, my first gear was sewn by my mom. Um, she hates wrestling. <laughs> still hates it today. Oh yeah, absolutely is like mortified that her son-in-law is is coming out of retirement but you know she knew it made me happy and you know she wanted to try to support us as best as as possible so she actually made my first year um, for wrestling but when we switched to a managerial role um, it wasn't really anything just that I had made for me I just I happened to have a very very fashionable op and I stole a lot of her clothes back in the day. Um, And I I actually pulled a few costumes out when we were looking through stuff um, to get for the the reunion show. And most of it, because we're so much older, does not fit anymore. And, you know, it's just, yeah. So we had to go and have to, you know, get help to get something that was, um, you know, someone from my age because I'm much older now than I was then. So, you know, something that still looks badass, but I didn't look like an idiot in because, you know, I'm in my 40s now. So we have to, you know, kind of keep that in mind. So, you know, um, I still get outside help from other friends who are very fashionable, but, you know, I just kind of, go and find my my inspiration anywhere, and, you know, if I have to steal some things out of somebody's closet, well, you know, I'm going to do that. I'm the queen.
2: That's right. (laughs) Now, Derek, along the lines of the gear, one of the more important things that a wrestler has is their actual gear bag, and Some wrestlers don't put any thought into it and they'll just throw their gear into like a paper bag and take it with them. A lot of wrestlers do a lot of research on specific bags and the accessories they have and the compartments and all that type of thing and they uh, really have something, I don't want to say fancy, but more uh, durable than other bags because they wanted it to last. When you were breaking in or even at some point during the course of your career, did you have a specific type of bag that you most enjoyed for your wrestling gear?
1: When I first started, because I didn't know any better, um, I would wear my gear um, underneath my clothes <laughs> and then, uh, a couple of guys would be like, hey, man, you need a really good gear bag. So they gave me a couple places to, to get a decent gear bag. Um, and I would use um, a luggage bag because uh, it, it kind of looked more professional to me after a while. Um little tiny compartments where you could put your gear and stuff, and then the big area where you can put all your gear in. And it was – when you walk in with a luggage bag, it, it, you know, it gives you more of that professional look, and that's kind of where – I ventured to later on in my career, Um, and and obviously midway into my career.
2: Now, Queen, what about you? Did you have a specific type of gear bag that you used for yourself, or did you have just a variety of bags that you would bring? How did that work for you?
0: Um, Honestly, I... I didn't have anything in the beginning. I would already have. I did what he did. Um, that's how he knew that I was like super green. My first match, I had my my gear under my clothes, and it was in a um, particular. Uh, it is. I'm gonna like kind of tangent off a little bit, but um, I. If my first match was actually for his title, and that's where I met him and. Um, I said, you know, I'm I'm in the, the battle royale tonight for your title, and, you know, I'm going to win, and he just turned to the entire locker room and went, I'm going to marry this woman, and we've been together since <laughs> Um but we uh, just, yeah, we kind of just combined a gear bag together, because mm-hmm. um, we were obviously, you know, all our shows were together at that point, so... Um, But then when we retired, we actually threw everything out. Um, The gear bag had pretty much broken in half by then, and we we didn't want to have really anything to do with wrestling, so we threw everything, including the gear and the gear bag, out and never thought that we would ever do this again. So when we were invited for this show, it was kind of like panic, like, oh, crap, what do we do now? Like, we don't have anything. So we kind of had to start fresh and... You know, luckily, I have an amazing mother-in-law who, you know, gifted us some really nice luggage when we got married, and we're just, you know, we're using that. It's just a little bit more upgraded. Yeah.
2: (laughs) Never throw everything out because you never say never.
0: Right. (laughs) That is
2: so true,
1: man. (laughs) You get that bug every so often, it's just like,
2: (laughs) ah. It's always been somewhat true, but especially in the last maybe three or four years or so, it's become extremely true in wrestling. Wrestlers usually make more in merchandise than they do the actual matches themselves. Merchandising has become very, very profitable for a lot of people, especially on the independents where the merchandise money can quadruple what they actually make wrestling in a lot of cases. Some wrestlers will even take a much lower rate just so they can sell their merchandise knowing that they're going to do well that way. Uh, Derek, did you personally have a lot of merchandise available when you were wrestling?
1: I I had a friend that owned the print shop and he would uh, print me out pictures and so I would sometimes, not all the time, but sell them before the shows. Um, and, you know, I mean, I would I would get a lot, but a lot of the shows I did back in the day were for charity. So any money I would get I would donate to the charity, um, whatever type of charity it was. Uh, I felt that, you know, that was the right thing to do. And shows where you would actually get paid, you know, I would obviously um, keep the money from sales. So, yeah.
2: What about you? Did you have much of a merchandise team, or were you not really marketing that way?
0: Oh yeah, no, <laughs> not at all. Like I'm, I'm in awe of the marketing that gets done today because you know, it's it, it's incredible the amount of work that the workers actually put into their merchandising. These, a lot of these young know, kids are like merchandising geniuses they put together business plans and it's amazing to watch them actually create their brand. And that's something that we just didn't have available back then for anybody to show us that. So um, for for me, I didn't have anything at all. Like it was usually always showcasing the men, even the women that I would work on shows with that were more well-known. They had very little merchandising. Um, but even today, only the only merchandise that we have now is actually the T-shirts that we sell um, for charity for um, the Warrior Network. So anything, you know, anytime we have a show, we're usually in our Warrior Network T-shirts because uh, Derek designed the logo for it, and it's, it's a pretty badass logo, but it's, it's for the best cause that I can possibly think of. And um, any, anything that we do merchandise-wise usually goes towards that day. That's, yeah. that's more important to us. Um, you know, we we don't put a whole lot of work into merchandising because our purposes in wrestling are, are beyond that now.
2: Mm-hmm. Now, I talked earlier of the history in wrestling, and ever since Mick Foley had success with his first autobiography. The market has been flooded with books on professional wrestling and the people within it. A lot of these are historical type of books uh, documenting the territorial days, a lot of biographies and autobiographies on wrestlers, even dating back to the 20s and 30s. There's a lot of historical books out there. There's also a lot of contemporary books on pro wrestling in the market. Derek, have you read many of the books and do you have a favorite particular wrestling-based
1: book? I like Gary Michael Capetta's book. Um, I found it to be um, quite um, educational especially someone who is a ring announcer and who would travel around with a lot of the wrestlers and um, all types of different wrestlers with all their different types of personalities. And I, I chuckled quite a few times while reading it, uh, especially when he was uh, traveling with Mark Calloway, The Undertaker, <laughs> and how they would drive long distances. And Gary would try to talk. He wouldn't say two words to him. <laughs> I found that to be hysterical. And then... Um, with Mark meeting Buzz Sawyer after many years. Uh, If you don't know what happened with him and Buzz Sawyer, he gave Buzz Sawyer a lot of money that he borrowed from his brother to train him, and Buzz kind of took off with the money and never trained him. So when they were in WCW, uh, Mark confronted Buzz, and Buzz was kind of making light of him and saying, hey, don't I know you from somewhere? And Mark sat down right next to him got in his face and said, I'm going to kill you, motherfucker. <laughs> and um, Michael, Gary Michael Capetta had to step in and, and, and you know, take him away from all that. Um, another book that I really enjoyed was Chris Jericho's book. He had a lot of really um, entertaining stories about being on the road, especially in Mexico and Japan and um, even in Germany as well. So I really enjoyed that one as well.
2: Quinn, what about you? Have you read many of the wrestling-related books, and do you have a favorite one?
0: Um, My take on it is a little different, um, because when I left wrestling, I went back to college, and I have two degrees now in criminal justice and criminology, and the wrestling books that I've actually read more um, are more so the darker side of wrestling. Um, I've read the books regarding the the Benoit matters, um, the books regarding Owen, um, but that was written by Dr. Martha Hart, and that was actually gut-wrenching and very hard to read, but really beautiful, and a very beautiful tribute to her husband, um, but any of the I would prefer to read autobiographies, if not anything. I don't really like people writing about other persons, other people's lives, unless they were right there with them. And the autobiography that always will stand out is just—it's always for me. It's always going to be Joni. She, um, my, she's always been my hero. And regardless of where her life went before she passed away, she was still my hero. And her book was a revelation for me, because when she first started on the scene, I was actually being abused, and that's when my victimization was happening, when I was a kid. And that's when I was being raped the first time. And I found out in her book that she actually went through the exact same thing. And I never knew that my hero went through the same thing that I went through and it just gave me this spark to have to honor her memory even more so now that she's not here anymore and I think it I think her book is an incredibly important book for women to read she was a very strong strong role model for women and she certainly changed my life she saved my life
1: yeah.
2: Alan, a similar thing to that, there's also been many movies over the years that chronicle pro wrestling. Uh, You had uh, movies like um, The Wrestler with Ed Asmer in the 70s. We saw Rocky III have a decent amount of pro wrestling in it. We saw No Holds Barred which was Hulk Hogan's first starring role, The Wrestler with Mickey Rourke. There's been movies that had wrestling sort of as a side in them. Uh, Life with Mikey comes to mind. that had Jeff Jarrett versus Jerry Lawler involved in it. There's been a lot out there. Derek, do you have a favorite wrestling-related movie?
1: One of the wrestling-related movies that's very underrated is a movie called The One and Only. Um, It's a movie (laughs) in the 70s starring Henry Winkler. And he was a a struggling actor who had just gotten married, was going to have a kid, and he couldn't get any acting gigs. So he met this uh, little guy, uh, Hervey Villachay, who was in Fantasy Island, and he got him into pro wrestling. And... (laughs) It's it's, it's truly a hilarious movie. Um, Henry Winkler played, like, this gorgeous George um, character. Um, He did a spectacular job um, um, in in that role. Um, And he also played a very hyper-individual as well. (laughs) Um, But the whole movie is absolutely hysterical. I urge anyone who's never seen this movie called The One and Only to give it a shot because it's uh, a a great comedy. (laughs) And, you know... It was done in the 70s, so it had kind of like that 70s-type humor.
2: <laughs> I have seen that film, and I agree with you. Very underrated. Not a lot of people talk about that one. Yep.
0: <laughs>
1: now,
2: Queen, what about you? you seen some of the wrestling-related movies, and do you have a favorite one of them?
0: Oh, yeah. Um, well, growing up, I mean, I loved seeing all the wrestlers that I could in movies because, you know, being a kid, you think it's the coolest thing that like, oh my God, it's Hulk Hogan, you know. You know, I went to see every pretty much every single movie that he did in the theaters when I was little. But then that's also because I up until I was about like 12, I thought wrestling was real. So, you know, I was, and then that movie Ready to Rumble, you know, the part in Ready to Rumble when like David Arquette screams at his father that wrestling's not fake, that was me with like every kid in school, um, but as I've gotten older, um, I, my favorite is, is, without a shadow of a doubt, was The Wrestler, um, mm-hmm. that movie was difficult to watch, because Destiny and I have literally seen everything that was shown in that movie in every locker room that we used to work in. I, we have seen broken-down vets exactly like like Randy the Ram. He portrayed that that character beyond perfectly. Also, the struggles with his health, with his family, with drugs. We watched people do do drugs right in front of us, exactly like that movie showed. Um, you know, my husband has actually worked with um, Necro Butcher in in jersey so seeing him on the big screen and knowing that we have you know he shared a locker room with him at one time you know we have actually seen everything that goes on in those locker rooms that it was it was shown in such a gritty and truthful manner that it probably shocked a lot of people but that was the point that people needed to see the bad side of it and i think that that's kind of where Things like we see today with Dark Side of the Ring; those things were born out of the courage that Darren Aronofsky had to actually make that film. So, um, I mean, and, and Mickey Rourke just—he, he, his portrayal was impeccable. Mm-hmm. I don't think I've ever seen anything like it in my life. That was—that was absolutely without a shadow of doubt. That's my favorite of all time.
1: Yeah, very, very great movie.
2: Agreed. Derek, when you made that comeback, you talked how there's a lot of younger guys in the training with you and everything like that. Wrestling, of course, is a very cardio-intensive sport, and you have to be in pretty good cardiovascular shape to compete, especially at a high level. When you first started training to do the comeback, was the training – harder than you thought it would be for you, easier than you thought, or was it about the right uh, training that you envisioned when you were looking to come back?
1: It was the right training I envisioned, but much harder because of my age. (laughs) Uh, But um, a lot of those young guys, uh, a lot of them have great, great talent. And I know a lot of them are going to do very well in the wrestling business. So for me to be be able to get in there with them, um, teach them a couple things and have them teach me to get my cardio back. um, It's just a wonderful experience. And the fact that I was able to come back in, in tribute to two wonderful guys really helped me in the business. That just meant everything to me as well. So I felt the comeback was was really great. And, you know, the training was as it should be. It was difficult, but I expected it to be difficult, and I was totally ready for it. Queen, as a
2: manager, it's different for you, but when you were looking to do the comeback, were you prepared for the changes in the business and how it evolved for managers, or were you caught off guard at... Anything that was a little bit different? That's a
0: good question. Um, There are actually no managers in this reunion show besides myself. So it's kind of, it's become almost an art form that unless you really know what you're doing, you're not, there aren't a lot of managers in the business today. I mean, there aren't really a whole lot of people who actually embody that, that gimmick and can do it well. The only one that I can think of even right now, even on a, on a global level, is, is Don Callis. There is nobody more impeccable than him as a manager. And he's kind of always been that template for myself. I've kind of wanted to be the female Don Callis. So that is kind of how I envision my, my gimmick coming back. Um, what I wasn't prepared for was actually not so much being the only one its it's the advice that was asked of me by many of the male workers that I wasn't prepared for, and I could not be more honored that they asked me my opinions on things and wanted to actually get you know, talk to me. And because that was something that just wasn't done before, I was I was a little nervous stepping back into a, a locker room again. Um, you know, they knew me from going and, and watching Destiny train to try to get ready for this, but, you know, on the locker room level, they didn't know me. So, you know, that, that really meant a lot to me. And so that was something I wasn't prepared for. Um, what I do love, though, was the audience's reaction to me. And what I wasn't prepared for, I think, is for how much fun uh, it actually could be because I didn't have very much fun the first time. Now, being older, I, I found it being a whole lot more fun and freeing to be able to scream at people
2: mm-hmm.
0: because I can <laughs> so, um, and have them love me for it. So that meant a lot.
1: She did a really great job I mean, I salute her
0: I still have the best nut shot ever
1: That's correct
2: (laughs) Well, we are down to the last few minutes Of the show today And I want to make sure there's ample time for you guys If there's anything you would like to say Plug or promote Merchandise, social medias, Appearances, your favorite charities Anything at all is fair game Derek, we'll
1: start with you. Uh, I just want to thank everybody for uh, listening uh, to the show and for supporting me throughout my wrestling career. Uh, thank you. I thank you with all my heart and soul, and everything I did in that ring was for the, the people in the audience. And and um, I'm glad um, anybody who ever booked me, uh, God, God bless you and thank you so much. There are so many great people that booked me in the past that are no longer here. You know, the great Tony Rumble, who I appreciate, uh, my buddy Anthony Rufo, uh, Gasol Middleton, and my buddy Spider Danny, who um, had an unfortunate event at one of our shows. God, God bless them all and God bless all the fans and, and all the people who support professional wrestling. I really appreciate it. And of course, when my wife talked about the Warrior Network, it's uh, very, very important, and we appreciate all your support with that as well. Thank you so much.
2: And, Tamara, what about you? Do you have anything in closing you'd like to say, plug, or promote?
0: Um, well, this to kind of echo um, Destiny. It's just um, being able to see the smiles on everybody's faces when he stepped into a locker room again was just something just for me on a personal level. It meant... A lot to see how happy people were to see him because, to, I mean, he's my favorite human in the, in, in the world and that's just, he really is, you know, he is a badass when he gets in the ring and he'll kill you, but, you know, at home, he's, he's my Derek Destiny because he saved my life and, you know, he, is, he means a lot to the independent wrestling world and it meant everything to, to see that again. So, you know, I just want to echo those thank yous and um, for, for us just wanting to put anybody over, um, if anybody wants to watch any really great up-and-coming wrestlers, please check out Showcase Pro Wrestling. They're located in Rhode Island, in South Rhode Island. Their gym is there. They put on shows for their new kids. Um, the guys that are coming out of that gym that are being actually pumped out of that gym is amazing. You know, they're being trained by some great guys, Chris Blackheart, Don Vega, um, and I believe that they just got a new trainer, Ken Phoenix, um, former WWE writer, producer, and performer. Um, But not just for them, just support your local independents. They really need your help. And for charity-wise, you can check out our uh, nonprofit. It's the Warrior Network at www.thewarriornetworkri.org, and my story is there. Lots of help is there, resource networking, um, things about the Speaking Out movement, things that I go have gone through even just recently. Um, If it helps others heal from their trauma, please. um, Anything that you need, we're there 24/7. And we want to thank so much, you know, our our wrestling community for actually putting that out there and helping us um, reach more people to help heal. God
2: bless. Well, we definitely appreciate you guys taking the time to be with us here today. And hopefully the comeback is more than a once in the ring type of situation. Hopefully we'll be seeing <laughs> you guys around. And... Hopefully, you guys will join us right back here on this very show again at some point. Absolutely.
1: we love Sounds to. Sound good. Thank you so much. Thank you.
2: Thank you. Thank you. And fans, definitely, if you see that Derek Destiny and the queen of old school, Tamara Burke, are going to be at a show near you, go buy a ticket, watch them, jump on the YouTube, look up some of the past matches, very, very talented So get familiar with them if you are not already. We will be back with you Sunday afternoon. We have Chief J. Eagle returning to the program, and then we'll be right back here one week from today. So make sure you have plans to be with us. Go support your local independents if you have some near you. Everybody stay safe, and we will talk to you soon.